0: I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Vladimir Putin has been dealt another embarrassing blow in his faltering war after a key military supply route, a bridge linking Crimea to Russia, was badly damaged by a bomb. It underscores the momentum Ukrainian soldiers have on the battlefield as they continue to reclaim territory. Today, New York Times journalist Andrew Kramer, who's been reporting from the front line since the start of the war on Russia's rapid losses.
1: I'm Andrew Kramer. I'm the bureau chief in Kiev for the New York Times newspaper.
0: Mm. Andrew, with your reporting with the New York Times, it seems you're getting pretty close to the front line of this war, pretty close to the fighting. I want you to give me a sense or tell me how you're deciding where to go, where to base yourself For your reports
1: well we're we're trying to cover uh, a very fast-moving story ukraine has two offensives going on now one in the south in the Kherson region another in the northeast uh, in the kharkiv region but also in neighboring provinces so it's it's really been a a, a, an on-the-fly decision um, trying to get to the location where the news is we want to be witnesses of this war we want to see firsthand uh, what, uh, what is happening um, uh, along, this, along this very large front line. So uh, usually we'll travel with a, a photographer, um, uh, often a, a local journalist who assists us, and uh, every morning wake up and decide where we, where we should go, um, what story we should tell. Uh, and uh, often that takes us to, to the very front, which, which in Ukraine they call it the zero line, um, which is the, the very front trench facing the Russians. People are uh, often quite tense. Soldiers are tense. Uh, There's shelling, uh, and this is uh, one of the ways that we report the wars to go right to the to the very front line and talk about uh, how uh, this conflict is being fought by the soldiers.
0: Where have you woken this morning? Where are you?
1: Uh, I'm in uh, Zaporizhia. Uh, this is just uh, a bit to the north of, of the front. Mm-hmm. In the early hours of the morning, while people slept. Russia fired multiple missiles at the city of Zaporizhia. These weren't military targets, they were apartments. Local officials say several residents were killed, but others could remain trapped under the rubble.
0: Just explain to me, when you go out today, you'll be with Ukrainian soldiers. What will you be doing?
1: Well, typically, in a situation where Ukrainian soldiers would be showing a journalist uh, along the front, you would meet with the commander, um, perhaps discuss what's happening in, in his area, his battle space, uh, and then interview several soldiers and proceed to, to the front, what is called the Zero Line, uh, which is the very first line um, uh, facing the Russians, or perhaps to an artillery position some way back, and, and observe what this war looks like from the perspective of, of a frontline soldier, and, and maybe spend uh, a certain amount of time reporting in this location and, and then leave.
0: Zaporizhia is one of the areas that was annexed by Vladimir Putin. Just remind me of what he's done in that area.
1: Um, Certainly. So uh, starting in in, uh, September, uh, the Ukrainian counteroffensive quite effectively pushed uh, the Russian forces back uh, in the northeast, um, also in the south. Uh, and the Russian army was losing ground, and one of the responses was uh, a political response. As a Ukrainian counteroffensive continues to gain momentum and retake territory in the northeast of the country, Moscow now says that referendums to join Russia will be held by separatist administrations. Uh, Russia very quickly called referendums, ostensibly showing popular support for these areas for four provinces to be annexed into Russia. Um, And then the process went quite quickly in in Moscow and Putin declared these four provinces part of Russia. And essentially this was a threat. It was telling Ukrainians, uh, I now consider these areas part of the Russian Federation, almost explicitly stated under the Russian nuclear umbrella um, and uh, with the right to defend them by any means. It was a political move. It was also a sense of living in an alternative reality because at the same time that the Russian president declared these areas part of Russia, the Russian army was retreating from them, losing ground, and the Ukrainians were advancing.
0: Mm, Okay, so let's come back to Zaporizhia in a minute. But take me to the town of Lehman in eastern Ukraine because there was a remarkable success story there just the day after it was annexed, that area, by Vladimir Putin. Tell me about that. What did you find when you were there?
1: Well, this was uh, um, a, a really uh, an incident that, that illustrated this alternative reality in which uh, the Russian leadership has been presenting their annexation plan. In, in an elaborate ceremony in the Kremlin, uh, President Putin said that four regions, including the Donetsk region, were part of Russia.
0: The
1: very next day, uh, the Ukrainian army advanced into a town in in the Donetsk region, uh, Liman, and and captured it.
0: Uh,
1: So, in the Russian understanding, at least, uh, for just one day, the residents of this town had lived in a uh, territory that was claimed by russia and also controlled by russia and then 24 hours later uh, it was lost to the ukrainians
0: and what did you find when you got there i mean what did you see
1: well this is one of the sad aspects of uh, the ukrainian offensive ukrainians are happy that they're they're uh, reclaiming land but often uh, or in fact almost uh, inevitably uh, whenever they advance they find ruins, uh, destruction Uh, towns with very few people left in them. In in the case of Yezum, another town uh, that was liberated in September, uh, uh, a mass grave was discovered. So it's really a a, a movement by the Ukrainians back onto scorched earth. It's been fought over twice now, once when the Russians arrived, and then once again now, more recently, when the Ukrainians reclaimed these towns. You see whole city blocks and ruins. You see destroyed churches, schools that are blown up, and it actually becomes such a common sight when traveling in these areas that uh, you almost uh, don't notice. You stop noticing these uh, signs of destruction. Uh, a tableau of uh, bricks scattered uh, around uh, what had been houses. Uh, whole neighborhoods are obliterated uh, in the town of Svita Horse, for example, we saw uh, a a monastery dating back back hundreds of years uh, that was partially destroyed. And one of the most striking aspects is what you don't see. You don't see people. Streets are empty. Perhaps an occasional resident rides by on a bicycle wearing soiled clothing, carrying a plastic bag of humanitarian aid, food handouts. Most of the people have fled.
0: From the residents that you've spoken to in these liberated towns what has struck you ab- about them?
1: Well, what, what I found uh, um, interesting in, in Liman in particular was uh, how cut off from information people were. Um, it's, it's been very difficult uh, from the perspective of simply surviving. They have to cook on fires outside. There's no heating, there's no electricity, but also it's difficult because they're cut off from news from the outside world. In Liman, for example. Russia had claimed this town as as part of Russia, Uh, and yet when I spoke with residents, they had not heard even this bit of news, that President Putin had asserted they were part of Russia. Only when the Ukrainians recaptured the town did residents learn, uh, paradoxically, that the day before uh, Russia had had asserted that their town was, was, was a Russian town. They've
0: gained ground... In the east, we know that now the push is in the south. How much more difficult will it be there in the south where you are now?
1: Uh, it's, it's a harder fight. The Russians are more dug in in the south. They have three lines of defence, concrete bunkers, pillboxes, uh, lots of artillery, lots of armoured vehicles. So it's been a very slow process in the south compared to the east. However, in the south, the one aspect of, of the battle that is uh, certainly leaning in Ukraine's favor is the large river, the, the Dnipro River, which separates the Russian contingent on the West Bank from their sources of resupply on the East Bank. And the Ukrainians have now uh, mostly destroyed all four bridges and a dam connecting the East and West Bank of the Dnipro as time goes by, supplies will become more difficult to provide to the Russian forces on, on the West Bank. And I think we may be at a point now where that's starting to come into play, where it's becoming difficult for the Russians to resupply their contingent on the West Bank of the Nipro, uh, and there may be uh, a situation where they're compelled to fall back. Um, that, that's speculative. What we know for now is that several villages have been have been captured in rapid succession over the past few days, which is more movement than we've seen here in, in, in several months. Mm.
0: The annexation uh, referendums, what does this all mean for those now? Is President Putin in, in trouble on that front?
1: I, I think there's a risk uh, 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 of this political process backfiring on Putin. He's now asserted that these territories are Russian uh, and yet he doesn't control uh, uh, maybe 50% of the Donetsk region, perhaps a third of the Zaporizhia region, And he's losing ground everywhere in Luhansk and in Kherson. Uh, I I think this would likely be a politically perilous uh, situation for Putin at home. uh, If domestic opponents point this out, that he's asserted these areas are Russian at the same time that his army is retreating from them.
0: Mm, Andrew, you've covered the wall since the start. You're witnessing firsthand and telling the world what's going on there. How do you think this will play out from now?
1: It's, it's an interesting pivot point we're at now. Uh, the initiative uh, on the front has clearly shifted in, in favor of the Ukrainian army, really to everybody's surprise. Uh, the Russians were perceived as the world's second uh, most powerful military power, and, and yet uh, the Russian army is in retreat in several locations in Ukraine. At the same time, there was a political change, a political shift in Russia where uh, Putin declared uh, some of these territories to be Russian and vowed to defend them by any means. So it's an interesting moment where we have an escalating threat from the Russians at the same time that their actual military on the ground is losing.
0: Andrew Kramer is a foreign correspondent and the Kiev bureau chief for the New York Times. In the past month, Ukraine has reclaimed 8,000 square kilometers in the northeast and around 3,000 square kilometers in the south. More than a dozen Russian businessmen have been found dead since the start of the war. If you want to understand why, we covered that on October the third. That's in your feed. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Pead and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening.